1: Well, welcome back. As we head into hour two, it is a delight to be able to do so with our political consultant extraordinaire, George Kalof. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group. He is also a president. He is also the president of Data Orbital. George, happy Friday! Thanks for joining us. How are you, brother?
2: I'm good. Always good to be on with you, Seth.
1: Thanks. Great to have you. Big week, I guess. Mike Pompeo said today he's not running. Uh, for the presidency. So one down. But Tim Scott looks like he's in Georgia. Sintra, We've talked a little around this in the past. But now when you put this all together with uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, possibly Larry Elder, it, you know, the GOP presidential field may have more what in the parlance of our times are known as people of color than any Democratic primary ever. Pretty, pretty good for a party that's supposed to be so racist, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and it looks like the presidential race is going to be uh, not defined but set on the Republican side even a little earlier than we'd expected because it looks like, as well, uh, you know, former Vice President Mike Pence, who is speaking with a number of others at the NRA convention and some other stuff that's coming up, and then at the RNC in Nashville, Republican National Committee meeting in Nashville – that he's apparently going to start taking swipes at DeSantis. So I think that... <laughs> Pence is going to start going... Go, That's it? In.
1: DeSantis yeah. is going to take incoming from Pence as well? <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay. So, so it looks like the field uh, is going to be about six or seven. So probably we're on pace for less than uh, 2016 when it was, yeah. what, 15 or 16 yeah. early on. Yeah. it looks like we could be about half of that when it's all said and done. But, I, I mean, look, to me, it's, it's a, not early to be announcing, but I think... President Trump getting in when he did, and now everything that's transpired, and the polling numbers that people are seeing—they're like, "Oh man, this is—you know—it looks like maybe the window of opportunity could be closing a little bit earlier than what people expected, or at least narrowing."
1: Yeah, I might be pushing people a little in, in odd directions. I have to tell you, I don't know if you're picking up on this. I'm, and I and I'd love your wisdom on it, but I am reading a lot of uh, criticisms of theoretical and, in some cases, financial supporters. Of Ron DeSantis, who are you know asking what you know what's taking you so long uh, to make up your mind I have to say i'm also picking up, and you again will be the expert on this I'm also picking up that it seems like the shine of his uh, what 's the phrase the shine on on his apple is 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 not is not as bright as it was about i don't know two three months ago i don't i don't know if I'm misreading that. I don't know if it's because of his tearing and getting into the race. I don't know if it's because Donald Trump has been, you know, doing what Donald Trump is very good at, which is maintaining ownership of the news cycle. But it does kind of feel like DeSantis is a little weaker today than he was, I don't know, three or four months ago. Straighten me out or talk me through it.
2: No, I would 100 percent agree. I think there's a couple of things that are contributing to that. One, and we've talked about this uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, what happened with the prosecutor in New York yeah. has galvanized support for yeah. uh, President Trump, yeah. and that has taken some of the people that were in the between DeSantis and Trump has taken some of them to the Trump side. Mm-hmm. Two, I think the media, who probably view DeSantis as scarier option in the general election than uh, than Trump. I think have been taking more shots. If you notice there's there's articles in Politico and CNN yeah. and he's getting not so awesome coverage. Everything
1: uh, I said is coming yes, right from those exactly. articles, right. Yeah, right? Right, 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 right,
2: right. And so that's a part of it. And then there was something that was actually very interesting and I know I'm getting into the weeds here, but for any, you know, listeners that, uh, that know the name uh Dick Uline, he's one of the top, I would say 2 to 3 uh Donors mm-hmm. on the Republican side. There was an article that came out, or maybe it was in Politico, one of the the morning uh, emails that I read, that said that he, who had been a DeSantis backer when he was running for governor, there were question marks from from him and and folks like him. I that saw that. Of I donor saw, types yeah. that say and that feel that he can't take it to the next level. And again, I think this is. Uh, Trump world, is, and as they should be, right? If I, if mm-hmm. you were them, this is mm-hmm. what you'd be doing, mm-hmm. to try to take the, 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 the air out of the sails of DeSantis. They're they're trying to make it seem like, oh, the jump from governor to president is a lot harder, and oh, the things that happened in Florida are not uh, not because of him, and oh, he wouldn't have been governor if, if Donald Trump right. had not stepped in. So there's a lot of that narrative that's being unfolded. So I think between the three of those things, I would agree with you. He's in a weaker position today than he was two months ago, but that is why, and as you and I have talked about uh, this entire time, you know, that's why presidential races really are marathons and not sprints, because no. you can't take any one data point, especially not this early, yeah. on its own. It's a broader, you know, to use this phrase, body of work. Yeah. And really, you know, the rubber meets the road when you start actually hitting the primary states, because all this could shift. If, for example, DeSantis wins an early state or two, then that's a that immediately will Yeah, change that changes
1: everything. Yeah, yeah. So the crystal the ball. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. These crystal balls are only as good as New Hampshire and Iowa, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah
3: exactly. <laughs> so. And South Carolina And South Carolina, Carolina people, I need to right, right to, yeah, yeah so where
2: the people in the race are are uh, from South Carolina right. and it's very interesting if they take the air out of each other's sails and then you go straight to I think Nevada yeah. is the fourth Yeah, so it's very yeah. different right Iowa and New Hampshire electorate is very different than the Nevada yeah. and South Carolina electorate on the right so yeah. uh, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting but it's a long road ahead DeSantis is not he's already out of his honeymoon period
1: yeah so I guess
2: is, is the point that we're getting at and it was a very short honeymoon period
1: You know, I don't like to be cynical about these things. I like to—in fact, maybe I'm accused of being too romantic about these things. But with DeSantis signing the uh, abortion legislation, the pro-life legislation that he did on uh, the six weeks, uh, it'll— You know, the cynic might say, well, that is to bolster support from, I don't know, the right or certain conservative movements or certain reputations that the rest of the Republican primary field is throwing his way, perhaps knowing Mike Pence. On the other hand, if you're more like me and romantic about it, he actually believes these things and these kinds of heartbeat legislations have been percolating up and he got it after he signed it once the legislature gave it to him. But there has been a lot of talk about abortion in the Republican Party. How do you think this helps or hurts, if either way, Desantis? This legislation is he going to is he going to talk a lot about it? You think? Is he? Yeah, you get the question. You understand yeah, it? Yeah. So- yeah. So.
2: So the thing that's interesting to note for uh, for the listeners is that Florida actually had one of the most permissive abortion laws in the country, believe it or not. Right. They allowed abortion up until I think it was 20 or 22 yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely the most permissive in the South. And so this is a very big change. Mm-hmm. So that's the first sort of thing to put it into context. The same day, Tim Scott at a campaign event. Some, a lot of observers said did not answer the abortion question yeah. well in terms of what he does or doesn't believe in 20-week and 15-week at right. the federal level and what did he think about it. Look, people are very anxious to talk about this issue right now. Yeah. They don't know what to do with it because they feel like it's a liability, not a strength. You know mm-hmm. where my heart is, and you and I share this, yep. whether or not it's a liability politically. Uh, there are certain things that we have to do in life because they're the right things to do, yep. but we have to know how to talk about it well. So, look, of course it helps him in a, in a primary. That's a, that's a no-brainer. Uh, on the other hand, really, it's less about what you do and more about how you talk about it. Because if we're being very candid and frank, no matter what shade you are on the right in terms of being pro-life at six weeks or 15 weeks or whatever, the left is going to paint you as an extremist no matter what. That's yeah, they don't care
1: that difference. Right. Yeah, they don't care about Yeah, six and 15 is irrelevant. That's right.
2: Uh, or six, 15, 20, no matter right. what. Right, right. If you're not with them 100 percent, right. right. that means they're going to paint you as the, as the enemy. And right. so we need to—it's all about— It's all about how we talk about these things. DeSantis has proven himself, I believe, capable of talking about difficult things, but I cannot imagine this is going to be the banner, even in the primary, to run with because of the potential that uh, it plays in the general election. But again, the abortion issue is only as toxic as we allow it to be, as the media makes it, as things play out in other states. So we know Ohio, for example, has a very big ballot measure coming up, similar to the ones that happened in 2022. Um this year actually in calendar mm-hmm. year twenty twenty three it 's going to be on the ballot in November. that is going to be very indicative because obviously Ohio is to the right of Michigan is to the right of a lot of the states where um, where we did not prevail yep. in in two thousand twenty two and I think could be a uh, could be a chart forward or a pass forward for those on the right in terms of how they talk about this
1: issue but maybe the there 's some instruction to be taken here from an ohio uh, pol- polit- uh, politician named j D Vance because it's been a thesis that you and I also have shared, I think, it, don't ever let me speak for you, that when Republicans cower and hide from the issue, that's when they get clobbered with it. When they know what they're talking about it and handle it with the right amount of wisdom and decorum, they succeed with it. J.D. Vance is a, uh, is a case study in that. People have mentioned – I followed the race less closely, but people have mentioned Brian Kemp is a case study in that.
2: 100%. I, I, look, She's I would say
1: Kim Yee is a case study in it. What Republican yeah. got more votes than her and what was she known for more than anything else? 100%. Let, let me She's take Brian, a quick Brian. break and come back on that with you if I All can, right, we'll George. Uh, thank you. George Kaloff is our guest, Resolute Group and Data Orbital. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Folks, uh, great event coming up on April 27th. I'm so excited for Cigar Night with Dennis Prager, Thursday, April 27th. You want to get your tickets at 960thepatriot.com. We're keeping it deliberately small. For those of you that may have gone to the Larry Elder event we did a few months back, as you know, you get a lot of uh, person face-to-face time with uh, the main speaker, which is Dennis Prager. Uh, we just I was working on the menu with the team here. It's going to be great food, great beverages. Get a cigar. You don't have to smoke cigars. You don't even have to like cigars to attend uh, or join us. But we're keeping it really deliberately small, intimate, outdoors, beautiful, beautiful uh, house at the base of Camelback Mountain. And Dennis and I will be I'll be interviewing Dennis on all the all the hard and tough issues. And uh, it's going to be a heck of a great evening. One for the books. Trust me on this. Nine sixty the Patriot dot com is the website you like dennis you want to you're going to want to be there george kaloff is our guest he is uh, from data orbital and the rest of managing partner of the resolute group here in town george i was i was just right before the break before we had to run to commercial break was talking about you know the republicans who i as i understand it have 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 not been punished and in fact have been rewarded by big numbers in fact uh, uh when it comes to the abortion issue are ones who have not shied away from it have not trimmed on it have you know driven right to it your JD Vance's, your Brian Kemps and i think correct me if i'm wrong the statewide candidate who received more republican uh, more votes in the general election never mind just republican more votes general election than anyone else Kimberly Yee in Arizona who's calling card from most of her political life, as I as far as I can recall, was uh, you know talking about the pro life position. So it's 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 a matter of knowing what you're talking about and not 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 hiding from it, not running from it, not showing weakness on it. I think, but you tell me.
2: One hundred percent. You are correct about uh, Treasury Yee and folks in Arizona. You know, I think a race where it actually was an issue that the left used against. Candidate is in Georgia with Governor Kemp, and he yeah. had signed a heartbeat law, if I remember yeah. correctly, yeah. and then won by a very wide margin. Yeah. And uh, Stacey Abrams campaigned on that issue against him, so and, and outraised
1: him too. To him. I think she outraised him. Yeah, yeah.
2: 100%. yeah. So there's definitely a path, but I would agree with you. Anything in politics, this is just this doesn't just apply to the life issue. Frankly, anything. In life, period. When you shy away from it and run away, I use the boxing metaphor. If you take a punch and you're leaning in, you can withstand it. If you're leaning back and you get punched, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to fall down because you're off balance. I think the same applies to anything tough uh, in politics. In particular, you have to lean in. You have to engage with people. You know, that's a they'll you'll earn their respect if you do that and you don't run away and cower.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to change the Republican Party on that. I almost get the feeling that there's this resounding message coming from a lot of precincts at the Republican Party that we need to abandon this issue. Uh, you know, stop taking advice from the mainstream of the culture about what we need to stand for, I say.
2: Yeah, look, there's, there's issues that are right. There's issues that are wrong, regardless of the political implication. We just have to understand how to work through it. I mean, that's the bottom line. If, if we're going to make decisions based on what's winning and what's losing, then we're going to pay the price.
1: Here in Arizona, we don't do politics uh, that stays local. We do politics that makes national and international news. And I think our Senate race, our U.S. Senate race, is already doing that. Uh, This week, uh, Mark Lamb, Sheriff Mark Lamb from Pinal County, threw his uh, ample hat into the ring. Uh, Talk to me about what that race looks like to you from a uh, primary perspective and a general election perspective.
2: Yeah, for anyone who saw his uh, announcement, I thought it was a good video.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, look,
2: he's a sheriff. He's 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 a tough guy, but there was uh, softness to that video. Yep. Obviously, he went through a horrific tragedy. Yep. Him and his family with yep. losing his son and yep. his uh, and his granddaughter, and so you know. Uh, there was a softer side to him, but obviously still showed his toughness. Yep. Now what's un- unfortunate to him for a degree, the only people that pay attention to launches this early are political <laughs> insiders. And in Arizona, <laughs> everyone was caught up with what happened at the legislature with yeah. the expulsion of a of a legislative member. And yeah. so I think it did not get as much traction. Yeah. Uh, but he definitely got, obviously, traction nationally because, um, you know, anytime someone enters a race, you know, I think the commentary continues to be uh, what does uh Carrie Lake do or not do does she get in the race what does the uh, blake masters do or not do does he get into the race obviously he was the nominee from 2022 uh will there be others uh, will it be a crowded field i know there's a lot of people on the right that want to avoid a crowded field because we know what happened last time that that was the case there's a lot of money that was spent and a lot of bruising money that was spent in the primary tearing down the eventual nominee and then he had a very short one way to uh to get back up out of the hole from a favorability perspective and the perception from a public. But I don't know if that that's avoidable because there's there's some differing views right now. And uh, look, Mark Lamb is, is uh, comes from a, an important county, and most importantly for him and for people that are observing this race, he has a national following, and he has uh, what we call in the industry a list, and he has a reach. So he'll be able to raise some small-dollar money. Again, will he be able to raise enough money to wage a U.S. Senate race? that's tough. You're talking millions of dollars. And, um, you know, again, if it is background being sheriff, I don't know that we're going to get there, especially on the right, just raising it small dollars at a time. But again, the commentary is, what do the two, uh, what, what do Carrie Lake do? Uh, what, or what does Kerry Lake do and what does the Blake masters do? I think they're going to have the biggest, uh, implication in the race. And is there anyone else that we're not thinking about?
1: Yeah. Um, and, than, and his yeah. entrance at this point, uh, make, clear some of those others maybe that we're not thinking about, right? I, I mean, people that, that, that were toying with the idea or chewing on it, seeing him get in may clear that. Carrie Lake has her, has her own ability to clear the field too. I, I, I think it be, it's a very tough race. I think it's a very tough race if, if Carrie Lake decides to get into it. I mean, my sense is her popularity is, is very strong in Arizona for yeah, a primary yeah. Republican. One
2: hundred percent, 100% with the Republican electorate. The other yeah. thing but I think has happened in the last week since we would have last talked, is that uh, Kirsten Sinema has taken yep. formal steps right. forward in running as an independent, and and that had not been the case. And so it, she's very clearly sending signals to people that it's going to be a three-way race, which is going to be very unprecedented. And, by Republican the way,
1: more Democrat possibly, possibly, I'm thinking, more of a magnet for Republicans to think about getting in that race, because a cinem- a three-way race, tell me if I'm wrong here, a three-way race between two, frankly, two Democrats and a Republican is going to be obviously good for the Republican, isn't it?
2: I think so. I think so. Again, yeah. unless unless Kirsten Cinema, which look if anyone can do it, I suppose it is her. Unless she can really pull people from the right, the big question, and I, you know, we have talked about this before, is going to be what is the coalition that she yep. that she uh, gathers, yep. and will leadership in D.C. on the Democratic side, Chuck Schumer. The Democratic Senatorial Committee and others. Who are they going to stand with? Are they going to stand with the nominee in Gallego, yep. or are they going to stand with the incumbent in Cinema, even though she does not have a D next to her name and technicality, but she caucuses with the Democrats? That's going to be very interesting. That will have for sure implications on the race and implications on um, Kirsten Cinema's path.
1: If she didn't uh, uh, leave formally leave the Democratic Party and Gallego were to run against her and they were both Democrats, do you think she maintains? or he beats her.
2: I, I don't think she gets out of a Democratic primary at this See, point. See, and her, I think that's right.
1: I, th- I think I agree with you, and I think th- that answer kind of might help dictate a little bit about what Washington, D.C. is thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, George, you're always smart, and you're always analytical, and we always love having you, sir. Thank you. Have a blessed weekend, sir.
2: You as well, Seth. Thanks
1: for having me. All right. George Kaloff from the Resolute Group. I'm
3: Seth And We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Rob is in surprise. Thanks for your
1: patience, Rob. How are you this fine Friday, sir?
3: I'm uh, I'm fine this fine Friday, and uh, I hope you are too. Yes, sir. I um I was thinking about, uh, earlier when you were talking about this whole uh, you know Republican stance on abortion and you know everything sort of and this kind of winds into my general theme of a complete lack of wisdom uh, in Washington and almost everywhere else. Um, it almost seems. People want to know, are you pro-life or are you pro-choice? And to me, that's the wrong question. The real question is, where do you stand on the sanctity of human life? And, and nobody seems to, you know, come up with that. I mean, they always come up with oh, You know, that's
1: pro- not a bad way for a Republican to answer a question if asked, if running for office and asked about uh, their position on it. You know, it's a pretty smart way to direct that questioning and saying I tend to think of it as where do you stand on innocent human life? Where do you stand on the protection of human rights and dignity in life? That's really that's really right. And it it allows the discussion uh, to be really directed. I was going to say confined. Directed is probably the better word. Directed to what the issue is really about.
3: Well, exactly, and and of course,
1: it's interesting uh, if you read about what DeSantis did. The Florida legislature and Ron DeSantis call it a heartbeat bill. The mainstream media calls it a six-week ban. That's that's interesting. One, you know, the language is interesting. They're talking weeks, and they're ta- and on one side, and we're talking heartbeats on the other.
3: Well, yeah, and and again, I mean, this, this, that's where I think a lot of people get into the minutia for all the wrong reasons. I mean, the, I know Kamala is constantly, and I think recently at the at her uh, little speaking engagement, uh, uh, was talking about women's reproductive rights. Yeah, right. Well, it's
1: it's nobody, another Orwellian is, turn of phrase, isn't it?
3: Yeah. No. Nobody is preventing women from reproducing. Well, the the act so, is
1: not about the act that we're talking about is not about reproduction. It's about ending production.
3: Well, yeah, and and see that's where you know we have the opportunity to call them out on something like that. Yeah. Like, You've always had reproductive rights. What you need to do is make responsible choices. And, oh, by the way, there are plenty of ways to overcome pregnancies where, you know, many of these people are using abortion as a a convenient way of ending a pregnancy instead of using uh, contraception or other means without ending a human life. Um, But that just sort of goes into my, my real... I don't know, it just drives me crazy about, it used to be, and maybe it's the wise Latina in me, (laughs) if you remember that phrase. Say it it again,
1: uh, do the phrase again.
3: The wise Latina.
1: Oh, okay, Uh, yeah, 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 from uh, Sotomayor, yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, from Sotomayor, Uh, there, there seems to be no wisdom in any elected position, and You have, you know, you were mentioning earlier about the age of a lot of these people. Yeah, you know, from Diane Feinstein to, uh, well, the the current acting president. Yep, and many people in between. And I, you know, we used to think that with age comes wisdom. Yep, but but we don't really. There is a tipping
1: point. There is a tipping yeah. point. Yes. Yeah. Well,
3: well, I still t- think
1: t- age t- does bring wisdom. I, I've been joking lately. I've learned more in the last three or four years than I learned in the first fifty of my life. I think. But oh uh, yeah,
3: and, and that's But should, there
1: is a tipping point. I mean,
3: point. and and again, everything you know that you talk about and all of the readings and, and stuff that you recommend. I mean, there's tons of wisdom in in the Plato and and Aristotle's and and the early writers and and. Whether or not, you know, one of my biggest nightmares is that uh, maybe the Democrats have read uh, Plato's Republic and they think that it's the Republicans that are the ones staying in the cave and that they, the enlightened ones, are out in the sun. I'm sure they night. think
1: that. I'm sure those yeah. that have read it think that. I'm sure they do.
3: Yeah. Yeah. and they, But but it simply isn't true based on their If behaviors. it were true, they
1: wouldn't have to change the language.
3: That's right. Yeah. And they do. And and that's, again, a lack of wisdom uh, that permeates yeah. most of Washington. And I, I guess in a way, it's sort of to be expected because everything seems to be run by money. Yeah, And, you know, having needing money to maintain office, needing money to run for office, that doesn't require wisdom. That requires fundraising skill. And yeah. I don't think there's anything very wise about that. So, I understand that way, point.
1: I do. Yes, sir. Yeah. Go ahead.
3: Uh, well, I was also, I wanted to ask about, you know, I, I need to, I guess, talk to Luca Brasi and maybe Pac Lemenza about trying to get in that VIP list on that uh, Dennis Prager gig. The
1: VIP, um, the VIP part is sold out, but no worries. It is so intimate that everyone will have a chance to be with and FaceTime with. It's, it's, it's deliberately small. It really is. It really is. Well, you don't need a VIP ticket. I got to run. Check out the general. You'll love it. You'll love it.
3: Be right back. Groupthink can prevent you from seeing the obvious. In 2008,
1: Groupthink remained in denial when it was obvious that mortgage-backed securities filled with subprime loans were a house of cards. The Midas Gold Group has been telling people the obvious for years. A system of currency built on that kind of debt is not stable. Most importantly, they've said that the banking system is unstable and treasuries are not risk free. Abandon the groupthink of mainstream media and bankers and get a different perspective from Midas Gold Group. Wise diversification involves having money outside the banking system. Call the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold. Gold holds its value when economies fail. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com, or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000, 480 360 Three thousand Midas gold, g- gold you can hold your vault of confidence. David, how you doing on that side of the microphone today? Doing all right. Hi.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you have a political pin with us to share with us this uh, this uh, this week, this episode? Any political pins? No political pins. I don't see. You're not wearing a lapel.
3: That's right. I'm not wearing a lapel.
2: I'm wearing a button down short sleeve. You're
1: <laughs> wearing short sleeve and white pants. I noticed
2: yes in the don johnson tradition
1: is it the don johnson tradition is it allowed to be done before labor day only
2: if you live in miami maybe i asked
1: my my sister my oldest sister has always um treated me like my oldest sister <laughs> and i was i forgot the rule a couple of years ago i had some nice uh, white shorts I wanted to wear or something and I don't remember but it was before Labor Day I think or something and I said is it okay to wear white shorts before Labor Day you know what she said (laughs) she said it's never okay to wear white shorts (laughs) anyway
2: well after the weather we had last week I think white is appropriate yeah
1: yeah yeah they're they're they're, they the world should be lucky we're wearing anything at this point given the weather right (laughs) yeah yeah right um thank you uh Anything that you want to share about things you learned this week? we haven't done that segment in a while.
2: My week has been rather chaotic okay <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what I learned, and I will say this yes. uh, I learned the value of a lot of friendship. And, uh-huh. uh, I learned a lot of uh, I've learned a lot about some of my friends. Oh, good. and how much of a help they were. We
1: doing. get by with yes. a little help from our friends. the truest things the Beatles, the truest thing the Beatles ever said. We really do yes, We all need that's them. Right. I, maybe I should focus on friendship for my annual commencement address that, which should be coming up shortly. It is coming up shortly, isn't it, Bill? Thank you for joining. Well,
2: commencement us. is coming up shortly, so your address it's, also it should will be. be
1: coming up
2: shortly. And what did
1: you learn this week, William? There, there was an certain, expression. Yes, there
2: are certain phrases yes. that even if you say them earnestly, they still sound sarcastic, yes. such as I hope you're happy. (laughs) I might really hope you're happy, but you
1: just can't say it without sound. Another example is, I hope you're proud of yourself. Yeah, that's uh, usually—the words sound complimentary. The meaning is—intent is not often complimentary. Someone was telling me that uh, in the South—I always use it complimentary, but someone told me in the South, bless your heart can be taken as Meaning it's opposite. Oh, I've heard that one, yeah. You've heard, I, I think yeah. I've heard that as well. Yeah. What was the Adam Carolla phrase you you tried to sneak into the show earlier with cr- gross failure? What is the meaning of this? Yeah, whatever happened to that phrase, he said. People used to say, what is the meaning of this? And we need it now more than ever, we really so we do. should bring it back. We really do, with the Bud Light stuff and all that. What is the meaning of this? Next time you see Dylan Mulvaney's face anywhere, <laughs> what is the meaning of this? Uh, there are words that can mean they're Mm. Sanction can go both ways. Oh, of course. That's the best. Sanction can be permission or punishment. It's kind of like my relationship with my general manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, <don't> <laughs> Folks, I try to get sanction from him, and I often do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Anything else? Oh, uh, being groomed can be very good or very oh, bad. Right. Right. Yes. Being groomed can be very good and very bad. All right. I learned about what did I learn this week? I learned about the nineteen eighty five Chicago Bears almost complete winning season until they met Miami. Right? You were really uh, really showing your knowledge in the kitchen earlier. Yeah. I was impressed. I was talking about Dan Marino and I was talking about the, the eighty five Bears. Yeah. There right. was a
2: sports games clinic it you, was you put a on.
1: Sports <laughs> games clinics. So I do have a tendency to <laughs> take these things to the mud, the boue, as they say in French. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, David, ongoingly. This is coming on the cultural front. By the way, you know, we haven't talked a lot about the arrest of this leaker, and I'm happy to if, if you folks want to. Uh, I saw Douglas Murray on, um, on one of the shows earlier, the conservative writer Douglas Murray, conservative writer and speaker, and I agree 100 percent with him. I have never uh, supported – I have never been in favor of people who take it upon themselves, people who have been entrusted with classified intelligence, particularly classified national security intelligence, who have signed nondisclosure, uh, uh, nondisclosure-type agreements, which we used to think were sacrosanct. At least almost every Republican I heard used to think they were about two weeks ago. Uh, I am just not on board with, with leftists or rightists who think – that um, re- releasing classified national security intelligence should be a matter left up to an individual. That is what you call anarchy. Um, I I, I was uh, hell-bent against it, crying from the rooftops with uh, people like Scott Johnson and Bill Bennett and John Hinderocker, uh, particularly uh, Andrew McCarthy, back in 2005 and 2006 when the Washington Post and the New York Times were strutting around the fact that they – Obtained national uh, – excuse me, uh, wartime classified intelligence that blew a lot of our anti-terrorism programs, uh, The probably one of the most sophisticated uh, and one of the most successful programs in disrupting terrorist networks having to do with um, with the terrorist financing and, and, and the SWIFT program that they broke. And they got Pulitzer Prizes for it. They got Pulitzer Prizes for it. Um, I, I was not down with it then. We were screaming against it then. Uh, I wasn't down with it with Edward Snowden. I'm sorry. I'm not down with it now either. Uh, and I'm not down with it on the selective prosecution of these things. Uh, we have heard neither Hyde nor Hera about the Supreme Court uh, releaser of classified intel. This guy is no hero. None of these people are heroes. By the way, for those that think they're releasing truths that need to be released, I'm sympathetic to the point. If you want to break the law, then subject yourself. What you are engaging in is an act of civil disobedience. We have defined down what civil disobedience means. If you know you're going to break the law, then you accept the consequences of breaking that law for the higher good you think you are acting on behalf of. That doesn't mean running away outside of the jurisdiction of the United States so they can't do anything to you. If you want to be brave enough to blow what are... Military personnel are engaging and putting their lives on the line for and protecting American lives. If you want to, if you think you are so much smarter than the, than the apparatus that thinks this stuff shouldn't be disclosed, then you should be a civil disobedient. Martin Luther King told us the laws he was going to break in advance. He did it under daylight, and he took the consequences of them. That's what civil disobedience is. Same with Gandhi, same with Henry David Thoreau. It's not taking the coward's way out of doing all the damage, in other words, throwing the grenade in the room and then walking away and leaving everyone else while you stay outside the jurisdiction of the United States. I'm just not in favor of this. I'm glad this guy was arrested. He should have never been entrusted with it in the first place. That's a whole other level of discussion. But let him face the full weight of the law and hopefully stop this kind of thing in the future. Well, you take a look at the economy and the way it's being run today uh, from the Fed, the stock market, you, um, you look for an investment in a portfolio, has a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or to the Fed. Why refi comes to the rescue. It's a portfolio and an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Real freedom. No fees. It's a secure, collateralized portfolio. That delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. Y-Refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I have several times. I know these guys well. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch. And no one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Why refi you'll see why I like them so much. It is a due diligence approved firm, and as I say, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888 yrefi 34 That's 888 yrefi 34 Kind of an interesting piece from Mark Judge. Uh, over at uh, the Washington Examiner. The headline is, The Left Continues to Whitewash Its Crazy, Violent, and Authoritarian History. This is just a little history tidbit. I don't know if, David, you may remember any of this or have studied any of this. Kind of interesting. Um, there was a short doc and it's a small part of a bigger story, obviously— but it was a short documentary that was recently uploaded on YouTube from 1983— when Harry Belafonte, an iconic American singer and actor, visited East Germany to perform in a concert promoting communism. The World Peace Concert, there's your Orwell, was run by East Germany's Communist Youth League. Belafonte gave his blessing to the Soviet-sponsored campaign promoting unilateral Western disarmament. Um, Kind of of an interesting thing um, that has been unavailable, really, for most of us to re-examine until now. Um, They love, the left does, talking about, you know, the extremism on the right. They never look at their own. And guess what? Not even Harry Belafonte has tried to airbrush his beliefs. In his own memoir, Harry Belafonte writes, quote, I remain not just liberal, but an unabashed lefty. I was still drawn to idiosyncrasies idealistic left-wing leaders who seemed to embody the true ideals of socialism. He praised Hugo Chavez and Fidel Castro, writing that the latter, Castro, was, has a strong grasp of Latin American history and the fine distinctions in law between Venezuela and its neighbors. Belafonte called former President George W. Bush, quote, the greatest tyrant, the greatest terrorist in the world. Okay. Just a small part of a larger story, I like it uh, when these things get revealed. I did not know that I am Seth Liebson will be right back open line six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero